0: Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast at UT Belfast We hope you enjoy as you join with us on Sunday mornings And listen in as we seek to inspire our church and the people of our city To encounter Jesus and just love it with the biggest heart of compassion possible Good morning Um, Can we try it again there, just to feel kind of lonely up here This morning, good morning Okay, so um, my name's Stephen. For those who don't know me, and I, um, we've been on a bit of a series called Awake uh, on Sunday mornings. We're joined with four other churches, and the whole thing is for a hundred days. And we're trying to say we need to wake. And you know, last week we were talking about awakening even in our enemies, um, and that's always a difficult challenge. Today is this sense of having a hard heart and. Um, obviously there's nobody in here with a hard heart in the room, um, so you could probably switch off now because it's not for you. But uh, we're, we're going to talk about that hard heart and um, we're going to talk about some of those things. But before we do anything, we're going to get into the life of Paul in a moment, and um, if you don't know who Paul is, we'll, we'll explain some of that. But before we do anything, I, I want you to look at my hands, okay? So throughout this, you're going to see this. When, you, when Ben and the guys get back up to play, you're going to notice that on their hands they have this word, scars. Okay, scars. So before I go any further, what I want to do is ask you to understand that I stand up here with scars. That everybody that stands up and declares to do anything for Jesus Christ does it with scars. We've got scars in our lives and scars in our hands. The only thing that Jesus kept from the crucifixion was his scars he turned up for his disciples and he said look look i was stabbed here and i was nailed here look at these scars he kept his scars because to keep your scars is to keep the proof to keep the evidence that jesus christ the son of god can heal the deepest wound bind up the deepest broken heart he can make all things new so if you've got scars today you've got proof You've got evidence. You've got some evidence in your life that Jesus Christ has healed you because scars are healed wounds. So I want you to embrace your scars this morning. Not hide them, not apologize for them, but to embrace them because your scars have power to witness the proof of the resurrected Jesus Christ. He makes all things new. Amen? Okay, now we can get into some preaching this morning, okay? So we're going to come here with Paul. We're going to ask the question, can a, ne- a life be transformed? Have you ever found yourself going in the wrong direction? Okay, I was thinking about this and I had to narrow it down. You start at 100 and then you sort of work your way down. And Well, I do. And so I, the memory that I can remember was one of the moments that I thought to myself, oh, I am definitely going in the wrong direction. It was the first time that I went to America and decided to drive for myself. I was on the I-4 in Florida. Um, I thought I was going in the right direction until a car or two or ten started coming towards me in the opposite direction. And then I realized for a moment I was on the wrong side of the road on a highway in America. It was dark. The only thing that gave it away was the bright lights in my eyes. At that stage, I had to do a U-turn the highway and go. Somehow I managed to do this, somehow I managed to get there, but it's amazing going the wrong way. There was a, a gentleman who invited dynamite. Now, have you ever heard of dynamite? He actually used a biblical term, uh, uh, dynamis, uh, it, it, it means explosive power. Um, and, and he invented this controlled substance that could be used to explode things. He was this guy called the king of dynamite, he was um, the king of everything that goes boom. OK? So the things that kill people, the things that you know like, uh, bring wars to an end, to you know those sort of claims of manufacturers of, of death. Um, and, and he manufactured these things. He made himself an incredible amount of money. And then one day he was reading the paper, and his, his brother Ludwig had passed away. But there was a European uh, journalist who'd got a few things mixed up. And he put in this story, and instead of a commentary about his brother Ludwig passing away, he wrote in, the merchant of death is dead. And he put in this man's name, Alfred Noble. And Alfred read this, and what is claimed is that in that moment, He had such a realization of that's how people saw him. If he was to die in this moment, that's what they would celebrate. The merchant of death is dead. And he got a chance that not many people get. He got to read his own obituary. He got to read what they would say about him. And in that moment, he decided, I need to change so what he decided to do was set up a foundation and he would leave every penny of his wealth into this foundation. He would set up a prize and he would give his name to that prize, the Nobel Peace Prize. And the king of dynamite, the merchant of death, would now become the greatest ambassador for peace. See, can somebody really change? Can you really change the end of the story? Well, I think you can, especially when you have moments like this, especially when you realize that someday somebody's going to write something about you and you still have time. Now, this is a gift. If you're breathing, if you're living, this isn't something to get all morbid about. I'm not standing up here saying, oh, it's going to happen. No, it will. No, God willing, way out there. But we've got time. We have time to change the end of the story. And I think that's an amazing reality this morning. So we're going to get into Saul, Saul who would become Paul, Paul the Apostle, who would write like a load of the New Testament, he would lead Luke to Jesus, he would be this key player in the church beyond probably all other key players that we read about in the New Testament. A bit of his backstory, because we all have a backstory. Now, last night we did a fundraiser in the church here for Compassion Belfast, and we did this, uh, of no, TV show "Would Would I Lie to You," uh, and I was in a panel, and there's a lot of people in the room were surprised that back in the day I could bust out some moves, and I'm telling about this street party in the middle of the, um, Bedford Street in the city centre, and yeah, it was. Back then, part of my story, see the difference about my generation and this generation? No, some of the older people in the room, you can look at this generation and go, Aren't they? Oh, they're just awful. And the only reason that is is because of the invention of a camera on a phone. It's just nobody was there to catch you, nobody was there to take the video, to take the photos, to put it out. That's the only difference. We all have a backstory. We all have. Scars. We all have something of the past, so we're going to talk about Saul. Saul, who would become Paul. Saul, who was wealthy. Saul, who was uh, well, he had the benefit of Judaism and Romanism. He was educated with the best religious education. And I want to say this about about Saul. Saul had a great start. But it was on the wrong foundation. I want you to hear that. You no, know, he had money, he had education, he had everything going on. He had a great start, but it was on the wrong foundation. And if you have a great start in the wrong foundation or a bad start in the right foundation, that's what dictates the rest of your life. It's about the foundation. And see, Paul had got it on the wrong foundation. You see, Paul had learned this that he was elite and exclusive. Now, you might think, well, what's wrong with that? Well, there's a whole lot wrong with that because if you think you're better than another human being on the planet, you've got problems. And you see, Paul had a good start but the wrong foundation. He had an understanding that to hate the enemies of his faith was okay, that pride could be embraced. Hard hearts. What does a hard heart look like? Well, according to Google, it's lots of different things. According to Scripture, it's not quite Google. No, but there's some sort of lining up there. See, a hard heart allows you to hate certain types of people. A hard heart allows you to hate the people that disagree with you. A hard heart makes you feel like you're the most important person in the room. In Ezekiel, we read that God will turn a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Uh, And this is a familiar scripture, and it's quoted loads of times from a platform. uh, And we can say, oh, it's amazing, isn't it? But when you say it out loud, you should have a sense of, but how? How on earth? How do you take a hard heart, a stone heart, and make it something like flesh? How do you really make it change? Now, when I read through the scriptures and when I read through the life of Paul, I realize that the same way that God transforms Paul is the same way that he transformed me, it's the same way that he transforms you through love and through grace. I want us to jump back a, a bit into a bit of Paul's backstory. So this, is, this will help you get a bit of an idea of Paul. In Acts 7, and we're going to read verses 54 through. So I, I want you to sort of jump in here. And we're going to hear about this guy called Saul. Just before this, we have Stephen. Uh, I'm called Stephen. And whenever you become a Christian, there's something I think people do. They wonder if their name's in the Bible. Uh, and, and I read through the Bible, and I find that my name's in the Bible, and I die. Okay? I, I would have loved something a bit more spiritual. And I find out my brother's called Paul, and he, like, held the coats of the people while I die. And, and so that's my revelation. But here is the moment. So when they heard this, this is Stephen, Stephen has been bold, Stephen has been brave, Stephen has stood up and told the truth. Does anybody in the room know that sometimes when you tell the truth, people don't like to hear it? Does anybody realize that when you say it with the wrong attitude, that they shouldn't bother listening, because truth should be in love? So when they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God, look, he said, I see heaven opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and they yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Think about this. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes, in a sense of a surrender to the authority, off. They laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit Then he fell on his knees and he cried out. Listen to these words. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. In other words, forgive them. When he said this, he fell asleep. When he said this, he died. This is Stephen who is being put to death. This is Stephen who has a a structure and a a spine of steel because he's proven it. He will take on the best. He will take on the strongest. He has this spine of steel. But this is Stephen who has a heart of flesh, this soft heart. And then you have Paul. And Paul comes across also as this man of steel but also this man of a hard heart. When we read through this story of Stephen and how he cries out, no, forgive them. Don't hold this against them. It mirrors Jesus Christ on the cross who looked out at those people who were crucifying him. And he says, no, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And we we look at this and we make the comparison and there's this mirrored reality. And the reality is that Jesus Christ is our foundation Okay, I want to, I've I've tried to make this point. I'm going to continue making this point. Paul said that we build upon the foundation. Okay, that there is only one foundation. There's no other foundation. We don't change Jesus. We don't change what Jesus did. We learn from what Jesus did. We don't adapt Jesus to suit us. We, We look at Jesus. He's the foundation. How he does it is how he invites us, church through the power of the Spirit, to live our lives. So, So Jesus is on the cross, and Jesus looks down at those people who are persecuting him, those people who are hurting him, those people who are causing him scars and pain, and he forgives them. He pours out grace. Now, Stephen is, yes, mirroring the cross, but Stephen is building on the foundation of the cross. Stephen is saying this, that if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me, you see, whenever I read this, there used to be a movie, well, there still is a movie. It's an old movie called The Matrix. And it was the first sort of movie where they slow down everything. Uh, and what would happen, you know, before that, somebody shot a gun and the person at the other end dropped dead. And what happened in The Matrix would be like they would shoot the gun and then all of a sudden you'd see the bullet. And then it would hit the person who would drop dead. No, but it was it was all slowed down. And when I read this, I, that's where I go. I think to myself, if I was Stephen, the only thing I would be concerned about would be getting out of the way of the stones. No, I'd be like, whoa. Whew. That's about as flexible as I get, you know. But my main concern would not be these guys. It would be the stones, anybody else think that's fair? You see, what we learn from this image is this, that Stephen was more concerned that he kept his heart from turning into stone than being hit by stones. Do you get it? See, his priority wasn't, whoa, whoa, miss that dodge. His priority was following on the foundation of Jesus Christ. So in all of this, how do I reflect Jesus? We have this incredible moment where we realize that you can be really close to heaven and still make a massive impact on earth. That we see this moment that the Christian faith should impact the moment, should impact the now. That what you are doing and what you're living out should make a difference here and now. We are not these Christians that know somewhere out there over the rainbow is heaven and we're all going to get there someday and, and that's going to be brilliant and that's going to be wonderful and all those things. No, no. Right now, my Jesus makes a difference. Right now, how I respond to the foundations for the cross makes a difference. Right now, how I respond to those people who are hurting me. Right now, how I respond to others and live my life out. All of that matters now. My faith in Jesus Christ should make a difference now. It's not just based on then and history and well, there was Abraham and there was Isaac and there was Jacob and there was all of those things. You know what? They all messed up. They were all a bit rubbish. They made so many mistakes. And we talk about the past like everybody's wonderful. The only person who made a true difference, the only perfect man to walk this earth was Jesus Christ. And he's the only one now that we're called to reflect. Jesus, in the now, that's what makes a difference. And this guy, Saul, saw a man being stoned to death cry out, Forgive them. His faith made a difference in the moment. His love, his grace. Forgive them. Now Paul had to work a few things out. No, Paul didn't just stop in that moment and go, forgive me Jesus, I have sinned. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and he asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So that if he was found anyone who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And what's implied there, he's asking, who are you, Lord? And what would you have me to do? It's not just a, who are you? It's a, who are you? And what would you have me to do? And, and we go on from this. Um, Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you will be told from there what you must do. Who are you? Who are you? If we're ever going to change our past, we have to ask the question of who is Jesus, not who are we. Um, I, I had sort of decided in my life that I was never going to watch no one of those generational programs like where people look into their past and into their history and try to find out, you know, if they were related to, the whole plan is, isn't it, that you're hoping that you're related to royalty or somebody famous or something like that, no. Probably subconsciously, why I don't do those things is because I know it's just going to be bad. It's just going to be like a shipwreck. I'm going to look into my past. It's going to be like murders, thieves, because it's Scotland. That's where I come from. Well, that's yeah, I understand. And 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 you know, you look into your past. But I watched the Anton Deck one. Uh, some of you familiar with it, and Anton and Dec, I imagine everybody's heard of Ant and Dec, uh, and they, they were looking into their past, and somewhere in there they were, no, you know, we are cousins, yeah, like by 40 million years and people and all of those things. But there's something about looking into our past can make us feel like, well, that's nice to know that I'm related to a king, or I'm related to... A, parrot, or I'm related to, I wouldn't mind being related to a parrot, That's it. that sounds quite good, um, and, and, uh, but we, we look back, and all looking back does is change our history. But what I want to say to you this morning is this, that when we look into Jesus, he changes our present, and he changes our future, and he transforms our lives, See, when Paul's on this road and he's like, who are you, Lord? It's the key. If you want to change your yesterday, if you want to change your hopelessness, if you want to change your circumstance, if you want to change direction, if you want to completely transform your life, this is the question. Who are you, Jesus? Because when you look into Jesus, you realize he is forgiving. This is Paul. Paul persecuted the church. Jesus is like, oh, but like, I, I want you, Paul. He is so forgiving. When you look into Jesus, you realize that He is enduring. He is like, I'm not going to give up on this. Paul. Paul's like out killing the church. He's like loving life. He's thinking this is the best thing ever. But you know what? I am not gonna let go. We we learn about Jesus who will never let go. When we look into the eyes of Jesus, we realize that he is kind. And, And I know people say this thing, but honestly, If somebody was persecuting my family and my faith and my friends, I won't want to bring them home for dinner. I'm thinking, you know, let's get a group together, let's go and sort this one out. Well, there's not much in me going, oh, he's killing all the people I love. I know, let's welcome him in. Yeah, But Jesus does you get it? Jesus is just kind Jesus doesn't hold the record of our sins against us how good's that? A few of us are out there going well it doesn't really apply to me because I don't really have a big record of sins well this morning I'm going to play all those moments live on the screen behind me we've all got a record of sins and I love this that Jesus Christ is slow to anger (laughs) See, when we look into the eyes of Jesus and we ask, who are you? We discover that he is everything that we ever hoped for, everything that we will ever need, everything that we will ever need to transform our lives. Full stop, Jesus. In him. Okay. So Paul, the chief of sinners, Paul, the now child of God, He saw Stephen. Forgive them. Forgive them. Now what goes on to happen here is that Paul is told um, to go to a place and there he'll receive instructions. And Ananias is there and uh, and we're told that he's walked through Straight Street. And Paul's big fear was this that Damascus was one of these connected cities. Like It was like, you no, know, if this Christian stuff kicks off here, it's going to go everywhere. And Saul's like, got to stop that. So Saul has done everything he can do to stop this. And then what we're told is that he was hit by this light. And you know, I was thinking to myself, hit by this light, what does light do? You no, know, Light seems pretty like... No, like, somebody shines a torch at you, you don't go, oh! No? Or do you? Because if you do, that's weird. But I was trying to think, when does light really affect you? Well, in the morning. You've been sleeping all night, and somebody turns the light on. Does anybody else, like, like, I just want to cry. I genuinely feel like somebody's putting two pokers through my eyeballs in that moment. It's like, Okay, that's just me, okay. Okay, I know I feel like I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire. I didn't know, I didn't know I am. can't track It's Okay, so, um, so, but what I've realized is that light has its greatest impact when you've been living your life in darkness. And the darkness can be fear. The darkness can just be you're living a crazy, sinful life. And then Jesus turns up. Your your darkness can be your scars, your past, Uh, and then Jesus turns up. It's when you're in darkness, lights come on, that's what has its greatest impact. And so we go back to Straight Street. Straight Street's like a mile long. And they started here, and where they were trying to get to was about uh, just short of the end of the road. So Paul's been struck by this light. Paul can't see. And then you've got his mates so this is the great Paul who's going to end the Christian faith. Who's going to like sort everything out. And we have the great Paul who's like this. He's, he can't see. And his mates are walking him through the main street of Damascus. Walking him past every temple. Walking him past the marketplace. Walking him past the, the, the area where everybody would have gathered for great events. And there's Paul, the great Paul, who's going to end the Christian faith. Walking with his mates, blind. And every one along here, there's these pillars. And as he's walking along straight straight. if he didn't have his friends with him, he would have been literally, bong, into a pillar. Bong, into a pillar. Now, I want you to get the humiliation of this. I want you to get just how crazy this is. This is the great Paul who's gonna take on the great Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, Paul is brought to this wee boy who needs his mates to lead him down the street. And he's brought in in front of everybody. And know what the crazy thing is for the first time in Paul's life? He could see. He was blind, but he could see. You see, the thing that he, he, he feared most and hated most was that Damascus would be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was now the walking example of Jesus Christ can transform anyone's life. And there he is, walking along with his two mates blind. What happened to him? How oh, he met Jesus? Oh, like, what, what's, what's the score here? I'm telling you, he's walking down the road there, saw this big light, this guy spoke to him, Jesus. He can't see anymore. His whole life's messed up. He's transformed. Oh, oh is that what's happening? Can, can you see the picture? And there's Paul being led by his mates down the street. It's like, do you know? Sure, like, what, what, you know, is this not the great Saul who's gonna like kill the church? No, I'll tell you what. He turned up. He met the head of the church, and that's what changed everything. Do you know? It's like, oh, oh I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill Jesus followers. Are you Paul? Are you? Is that, is that what's going to happen? And, and Jesus makes him small in order that he can make him Paul. Do you get it? And we have this amazing moment where, when you meet Jesus Christ, you realize you're just not all that. But what I wanna say and what I wanna finish with is this, that Paul had scars Jesus kept the scars. Paul kept the scars. Paul was the murderer of the church. The people in the church were terrified of him. The people outside the church were terrified of him. Everybody was afraid of Paul. Saul. And Jesus says to Ananias, I have chosen this one. To go And be a messenger to the Gentiles, to the Israelites, to everyone. This one. Did you get it? This guy with all this past, a murderer, killer, mess. I have chosen this one. To go and be that. And so why did it start with the scars? Because what you've got to realize is that Paul's past empowered him to have this transformation and this incredible ministry and future that would ultimately impact the world. Not just in that moment, but in the entire history of the church. Paul. So why do we start with our scars? Because I want to say to you that stop hiding your scars. Stop putting on the mask. Stop pretending that it never went wrong. Stop pretending that there's nothing in your past you're ashamed of. Stop pretending that everything is good because the reality is that your dirty story can become something of God's glory. Your messy past, your sinful past, your mistakes, everything about it, God takes your scars. And what he did with Paul, he used him to reach a generation He can use your story to reach a generation. He can use your story of abuse to reach those who have been abused. He can use your story of bigotry and he can help that heal and reconcile. He can take your past and make everything new. Do you get it this morning? Your scars. So I want you to worship this morning with your scars. Do you get it? Stop hiding them. Stop putting them in your pocket. Stop pretending it didn't happen. Do you know, I am scarred in my past. There's someone here this morning. My mental health because of what I've been through. Well, Jesus Christ can bring you through and you can help a generation of people suffering from mental health issues and you can help them become new. Do you believe that this morning? You see, the picture of Jesus Christ is the picture of a wounded healer do you get it? You see, when he reaches out his hands to you, what's the first thing you see? Tell me. When Jesus reaches out his hands of love to you to say, I want to take you and all of your pain and all of your brokenness and all of your past, I want to take everything you're afraid of and I want to make you completely new, the first thing you see are his scars. And the challenge of the church this morning is this. Why do we hide our scars? Because the scars aren't opened wounds, they're healed wounds. I said it at the start. They are the evidence. They are the proof that my Jesus can make everything new. Scars. Okay, let's stand. I'm going to ask we're leading us this morning to come join me, and Ben's got a bit of writing on his hands, and a couple of the other guys. Spud's in a booth with like tinted glass, and you can't see him, but I somehow talked him into writing on his arm. So, yeah. But scars. See, see Ben has scars, healed wounds. Sarah has scars. Healed wounds. Josie has scars, healed wounds. Every one of us in here have scars, but they're healed wounds. See, open wounds, don't mistake an M in people's faces, because that's a whole lot of things, isn't it? Personally, if you show me an open wound, I will faint. That's my reaction to blood but the inward open stuff, that's not what we throw at people. It's the the healed. See, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ in this room, he invites you to be a wounded healer. He invites you to allow your heart to become soft in the transformation so that no matter what's thrown at you, you still build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, which is, no matter what you do, I'm just going to show you love. I'm going to show you grace. Sounds impossible, doesn't it? But I've realized that in the power of the Holy Spirit all things are possible. See, when we use that term, it's usually associated with the miraculous, isn't it? No, like, you can get out of your whatever this morning and you can you you can just forgive somebody this morning. What about starting there? You can just say, Jesus, I, I'm not going to let that, that happen then. I'm not going to let it dictate my future. I am going to allow you to heal it. And someday I'm going to present it. And, and I'm going to show everybody around me, people who are doubting and saying, who is this Jesus? What, the past? What are you talking about? The future? What's that all about? In the present, Jesus Christ can make your scars new. Come on, he can wound, take those wounds, those broken hearts, and he can heal them. He can turn your mourning into dancing. He can still do all that stuff. So I want us all to lift our hands this morning as a symbol of, we're lifting our scars. We're lifting our wounds that have been healed. And perhaps this morning as a symbolism, you maybe need to lift some hands up with open wounds. And say, Jesus, I give you permission to come and to heal. See, Paul's heart went from hard to soft because he asked the question, "Who are you, Jesus?" And he was overwhelmed by who he got back. And when you're overwhelmed with who Jesus is, you can't help but go soft. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Those words still like make me want to just cry on the spot. Jesus loves me. And he knows me. And in the past I have been a mess. In the past I have messed up. In the past I have hurt. In the past I have. But Jesus loves me. Come on. Scars. Scars. Let's just raise those scars as a, as a witness in this room. Just Jesus has healed my scars. Jesus is healing my wounds. Jesus is healing my wounds. He's healing my wounds. just going to give you one practical example of how all this works at the age of 17 I was nine stone in weight because I used to go for a walk eat food spit it in, spit it out in a hanky and put it in a bin after my mom and dad made my dinner and I ate my dinner I used to go upstairs I used to make myself sick um, because I was so grossed by what I saw in the mirror I thought I was just and that's a scar but you look at me now I'm just giving you the evidence. Do you know, I look in the mirror and I go, God, I love every (laughs) bit of this. But what I'm saying is this, that I can use my scars, healed wounds, and over the years I've sat with many people who have felt just the way I did. And I've been able to look them in the eyes and tell them about a Jesus who never makes something rubbish he doesn't make something horrible he just makes things new scars scars Jesus we thank you that you are the wounded healer that when you stretch out your arms, the first thing we see are your scars. And they're not an evidence of the pain that you suffered, they're the evidence of the victory that you won. They're the evidence of that you have overcome death, that you've overcome sickness, that you've overcome fear, that you've overcome our hopelessness, that you are a winner. When we see your scars, we see the proof and the evidence that you can make everything new. You can transform. Jesus, we offer our scars as the power and the proof that the only one who can totally transform our lives is the Jesus who loves us. Hi everyone, thanks for listening in on our Sunday podcasts. Check us out on our Facebook, Instagram at UT Belfast.